This is a Capricorn FM podcast. This Grade 12 lesson is proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Uh, Good afternoon, learners and everyone listening at home. Today's presentation, as indicated, is based on microeconomics and specifically contemporary issues. Remember, in our syllabi or our curriculum, there are three contemporary issues that we tackle. We tackle uh, tourism, we tackle inflation, and then we also tackle environmental sustainability. So our topic today will be based on uh, environmental sustainability as a contemporary issue, as an issue that is affecting the world as we speak today. So as usual, let's pose this question. Perhaps the examiner might ask you and say, discuss environmental sustainability under the following headings. Discuss environmental sustainability under the following headings. Number one, the state of the environment. And number two, government measures to ensure sustainability. Discuss environmental sustainability under the following headings. Heading number one, the state of the environment. And heading number two, government measures to ensure sustainability. Now, as I start, as I've always told you, whenever you are given this kind of a question, because it is a possible essay question, what you must do is you must start by writing the introduction. Now, how do we go about the introduction? You identify the main concept in the question and then you simply define it. Now, from our statement there, uh, the main concept is environmental sustainability. Now, what is this environmental sustainability? It is simply the ability of the environment to survive its use for economic activity. Environmental sustainability is the ability of the environment to survive its use for economic activity. What does this mean? On a daily basis, man, because we want to survive as human beings, we engage in a variety of economic activities. And then all these particular activities that we engage in on a daily basis are the ones that are damaging the environmental. Remember in grade 11, you were taught about environmental deterioration. Now, in grade 12, we are looking at how best can we save our environment. Now, one might be wondering, uh, what is an environment? An environment is nothing but all the physical surroundings and physical conditions that affect people's lives. All the physical surroundings and physical conditions that affect people's lives. What am I referring to here? I'm referring to the land, I'm referring to the sea and I'm referring to the atmosphere. That is what constitutes the environment. All these three aspects that I've just mentioned, they affect people's lives. Now, going back to our question uh, of environmental sustainability, why why are we concerned about environmental sustainability? We are concerned about environmental sustainability because the environment is under pressure. Rest assured, the environment is under pressure. Why? Because human claims on the environment are more than what the 
nature can provide in the long term. Uh, it is under pressure because human claims on the environment are more than what nature can provide in the long term. What do I mean by this? All the things that we want from the environment, there are a lot of things that we want from the environment to survive. And much as they are, what is the problem arises because now nature or this very same environment is unable to provide us with all the things that we need. This is because of increasing, what puts the pressure is the increasing population numbers and excessive consumption. Increasing population numbers and excessive consumption. Now, what do I mean by increasing population numbers? Usually, mathematicians will tell you that uh, uh, population numbers increase by what you call geometric sequence, whereas uh, food production increases by arithmetic sequence. So, you can see there is a very vast difference in arithmetic sequence it is one two three four five etc and then in geometric sequence it is one two four sixteen uh, and so on and so on, 64 and so on and so on. so what happens is that uh, uh, what the environment is able to provide is less compared to what we demand from this particular environment can you see why we are concerned because uh, what is important is that uh, uh, this environment needs to provide us with the things that we want and the problem starts because what we want from the environment is more than what the environment can provide us perhaps let us look at the state of our environment let's move to the body we have written the introduction we have defined environmental sustainability now we go to the body in the body they say we must talk we must discuss the state of the environment and government measures to ensure sustainability let's look at the state of the environment when we look at the state of our, of our environment, one issue is pollution. That is one critical issue that we find. When we look at the state of the environment, we find that there is this issue of pollution. Now, what is pollution? Pollution occurs when the flow of residual emissions resulting from human activity exceeds the natural environment's capacity to absorb them. It occurs when the flow of residual emissions resulting from human activity exceeds the natural environment's capacity to absorb them. What do we mean by that? Let me put it practically like this. Are you aware that everything that you throw on the land, remember I said the environment consists of the land, the sea and the atmosphere. Are you aware that everything that you throw on the land, everything that you throw into the sea, everything that is emitted into the, in, into the atmosphere immediately that happens what the environment does it it tries to absorb it let me talk about say you throw a plastic or you throw material over the the land what happens or anything that you throw on the land immediately it lands there the process of decomposition starts what do we mean by decomposition the environment wants to decompose everything that you throw on it so that that thing can be part of the environment all right now here is the problem when you throw plastic 
when you throw tires, all these particular things cannot be absorbed by the environment. You see, now that's where the problem comes. All these particular things cannot be absorbed by the environment. When you emit smoke, carbon monoxide, in larger quantities into the atmosphere, when that particular carbon monoxide arrives, the atmosphere wants to absorb that carbon dioxide. But because it is too much, then the atmosphere is unable to absorb all of it. Now, what happens when that particular uh, carbon monoxide is not absorbed by the atmosphere? What happens is that it forms a blanket above there. And then what do we mean? What do I mean by the blanket in the atmosphere? That particular blanket is what you call, is formed by what you call the greenhouse gases. Now, what what's wrong with that particular blanket that is above there formed by carbon monoxide? The problem is that particular blanket formed by the greenhouse gases is going to trap everything that comes from uh, the, the, the surface of the earth. You can imagine now uh, uh, that particular blanket, what is going to do? It is going to damage the, the ozone layer. And once the ozone layer is damaged, what is going to happen? Too much sun's rays will reach the surface of the earth. Remember, the ozone layer protects us from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. So that is the function of the ozone layer. So if it is damaged, too much uh, sun's rays will reach the surface of the earth. And then when too much sun's rays reach the surface of the earth, that is why nowadays humanity, most of the people uh, start to have the problems of uh, uh, skin cancer. That is why nowadays uh, we have got uh, the so-called uh, uh, skin cancer. It is precisely because the sun's rays that come from the sun and they reach the surface uh, are so strong for our skins that they damage our skins. That is one other thing. When the ozone layer, again, if it is damaged, if it is damaged and then the sun's rays reach uh, the surface of the earth in larger quantities, what do they do? They start to uh, uh, to create uh, uh, the temperature of the earth start to rise. All right. The temperature of the earth will now start to, to rise. And then when the temperature of the earth starts to rise, the earth becomes warm. All right. It's like you. It's like you can imagine um, uh, taking a container, uh, close it tight, and uh, after closing it tight, this uh, this cap that you put on the container to close it tight is the what? It is the greenhouse gas that I'm talking about. And then after closing the container tight, you put it on a hot stove. What is going to happen? The temperature of that particular uh, container will go up. And then once it increases, it will reach a level where it is, it is going to explode. Let us not go there because I don't want you to shiver. But the reality of the situation is that the temperature of the earth is increasing. Why? This precisely because there are a lot of sun's rays that are reaching the, 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 the surface of the earth and then the temperature of the earth is going up and then that is why we call it global warming. That is what we call global warming. So all these particular things, what causes them? It is because the, these residual emissions resulting from our activity exceed the nature's in a, a capacity to absorb them. Here I'm referring to things I've just touched on smoke, I've just touched on littering, I've just touched on toxic chemicals. So that is one issue. 
when we look at the state of the environment, there is this issue of pollution um, and then it is troubling us. The other issue that is troubling us when we look at the state of the environment is that human activities take care is the question of conservation. Just note it, the word conservation. Why do we say conservation is a problem when we look at the state of the environment? It is because conservation is a problem when you look at the state of the environment. Why? Because human activities tend to overutilize the environment. We as human beings, we tend to overuse the environment. Why, why is it a problem when we overuse the environment? It is a problem because these particular natural resources, remember we need natural resources to serve everything that you and I need to survive comes from mother nature. It comes from nature and hence we refer to that as natural resources. So if, if we overutilize this particular environment or these resources, what is going to happen? All these particular natural resources will be exhausted, declofella, and they will disappear from the environment if they are not taken care of. That is the problem that we have. So there should be conservation. To save our environment, there should be conservation. But by the look of things... By the look of things, many people still don't care about our environment. They are overutilizing the very limited resources that we have that are provided by Mother Nature. So there is this issue of conservation. Now, what is conservation? By conservation, we are simply trying. It is we are simply trying to uh, to to. to ensure continuity of the environment. We need a creative way of ensuring continuity of the environment while ensuring that change is sympathetic to quality of life for both present and the future generation. That is what conservation is all about. We, are, we have to, by conservation, we are simply trying, let us try to ensure continuity of the environment. Let us try to ensure continuity of the natural resources. Let us not exhaust our resources because if we exhaust them they will disappear and then if they disappear or they get exhausted what is going to happen uh, let us not be selfish my people let us not be selfish because now much remember much as you and i need these particular resources today and now during our lifetime let us not forget there are some people who are not yet born they will be living uh, coming centuries and coming years they will be living on this very same planet remember the planet, this is the third belt in the ecosystem. Out of all the nine planets, life can only be here on Earth. There, we have got nowhere to go to survive. We can only survive on the planet Earth. So therefore, when we use these particular resources, let us make sure that we are careful. We ensure that change is sympathetic to the quality of life for both the present and the future. Why do I say so? We, we need to we, what must happen is that um, we need to be able, we, when we use the resources, we need, we, because we, we use the resources, remember, we use the resources to meet our basic needs. Am I right? Now, when we use these resources to meet our basic needs, let us make sure that meeting the basic needs of the present generation, we do not compromise the needs of the future generations. Let us 
it is normal and it is only fair that we must strive to meet our basic needs as the present generation. But we must not do that, uh, compromising the needs of the future generations. Those particular people that are still going to live on this planet need these very same resources. That is what we mean by sustainable development. So there should be conservation of both renewable and non-renewable resources. Therefore, conservation is very much key when you look at the nature of the environment. If we do not conserve, if we don't ensure continuity of the resources, we are going to face a problem in the future. So there should be conservation of both renewable and non-renewable resources. That is the, 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 the other issue. The other issue uh, with regard to the nature of the environment, we find it is the what you call preservation. That is a preservation. And then I know some of you, my learners, you confuse conservation and preservation. By conservation, I just said now, it is ensuring continuity of a, a, of a resource. So what can happen is that, uh, what do we mean by ensuring continuity of a resource? A certain minimum level of renewable stock should be maintained to ensure recovery. By, that is conservation. Let's give an example of conservation. For example, I talked about uh, there should be conservation of both renewable and non-renewable resources. But let me use de describe the issue of conservation uh, looking at renewable resources. You can imagine now, have you ever imagined to, uh, every day there is meat in the retail stores? There is meat there. But have you ever thought where does that particular meat come from? We have never had a situation where there is no meat and they say meat is exhausted or a fish is exhausted. Why? Because there, 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 there is proper, there is conservation taking place. We cannot allow people uh, just a free right to go and say you can fish as much fish as you want from the ocean. They will be exhausted. So a certain minimum amount should be kept. That is why to go fishing you need a license. That is one other thing that is required so that you can be, you must be permitted and then a quota is set or a per year if you are a commercial fisherman. This is the quantity that you can fish so that you can, behave, you can give time to the fish in the ocean to to, to multiply. Otherwise, if we use all the fish there, at the end of the day, there won't be any fish. So, conservation simply means ensuring continuity. Like a millimill, we plant it, save the seeds, plant the others, and so that is conservation. You ensure continuity. You can't plant now and then take all the, 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 the from harvesting, then you eat everything there. Otherwise, you won't have the seeds for planting the following year, and then the following year, there won't be any food. There won't be any minimal. So, conservation is all about ensuring continuity of a resource. All right. Now we um, I was just elaborating on this issue of conservation because now it is closely linked to what you call preservation. Now, by preservation, why 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 would there, there is the issue of preservation under the state of the environment? Preservation is there because certain species of animals and flowers are on the verge of extinction. That one is a fact. We have we have got certain uh, indigenous forests and certain species of animals and flowers that are on the verge of extinction. They can be extinct. 
they are the, 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 the number of them they are on the verge of extinction so they need to be preserved once these things can disappear they are lost forever they need to be preserved for example you can uh, that, that, that is why some few years practically let me talk about uh, the rhino we have got this particular animal called the rhino in South Africa. The way these particular poachers are uh, uh, are hunting it, if it if government does not do anything about it, these particular animals will be extinct in the not so distant future. So they need to be preserved. That's why now government has taken drastic steps to make sure that these particular animals are preserved so that they don't get uh, they don't they, 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 they are not extinct. So preservation is important when it comes to issue of making sure that uh, uh, we, we, we preserve those particular things. Now, from this explanation, what is preservation? Preservation simply means keeping something intact. Simply keeping something intact. What do we mean preservation? Keeping something intact. For example, we are saying Heritage sites. We have got heritage sites in, in South Africa and throughout the world. We have got world heritage sites, and then in our country we also have heritage sites. So heritage sites, if not taken care of, they might be destroyed. So what what what, what must be done? They must also be preserved. How do we pre when we say we preserve a heritage heritage site? We are simply saying the way that particular heritage site looks today. Even after 10 years or 20 years or 50 years, when we visit that particular heritage site, it will look exactly the same as we have seen it today, 20 years down the line. So that is preservation. If we manage to do that, we will say you have kept the heritage site intact. You have preserved the heritage site because you have managed to keep it intact. So preservation is about keeping something intact, all right? So, that, that, that's what must happen. Now, how can we ensure that there is preservation? Government can grant what you call private property rights, and uh, government can also can, can grant private property rights. What do we mean by private property rights? Allowing people to own some of these heritage sites, allowing people to own some of these particular spaces, forests, and stuff like that. Uh, if ever it is the animals, that's why we have got game farms. So we allow people to have game farms where these particular animals can be uh, put there. And then why do we ensure do that? We all know that when we talk about private property rights, we say people take care of things that belong to them. That one is a fact. And then it, this issue of private property rights will come across it later on when we'll be talking about uh, government intervention. And the other thing to preserve these things, government can also buy or expropriate. They can buy the site, they can buy the plants, or they can buy the animals or expropriate them. And government can also subsidize activities that will ensure preservation. So that is one third, the third issue. We have got the issue of preservation. The last issue with regard to the state of the environment is with regard to externalities. Now, what are externalities? Uh, when you were dealing with macroeconomics, uh, paper one, you were taught about externalities. Externalities are simply what you call the spillover effects. It's spillover effects. That's, those are externalities. When the decision of one person affects another person who was not part of it, that is an externality. When a person decides to do something and you are not part of it, but 
But at the end of the day, the decision that the person has taken or the action that the person is taking affects you who was not part of the decision. That is an externality. Let me just give a practical example so that I can make this issue of externalities a little bit easier. Externality, for example, if a person decides to start smoking, that is a personal decision, but ultimately people who are not part of the decision for him to decide to smoke get uh, sick from the decision that he has taken to smoke and then that is an externality. So externalities are but some of those particular challenges that we experience uh, uh, as, as we, 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 we move forward. Uh, now let's take a short break and then we'll come back. The Limpopo Department of Education believes that education is the key to overcoming poverty. As a result, we have partnered with Capricorn FM to bring radio lessons to all grade 12 learners in Limpopo. Starting on Monday, 17 August, tune in and catch expert teachers as they present live lessons for an hour. From Monday to Friday between 5 and 6 p.m. on Just Drive and again on Saturday and Sunday evenings between 6 and 7 p.m. on the Royal Movement and the Afterglow respectively. Limpopo Department of Education Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. Thank you very much. Yeah, we, we, we are still on the state of the environment. And then just to recap, we talked about the first issue with regard to the state of the environment is pollution. When we talked about conservation and we have also talked about preservation. Now we are on externalities and I was just indicating that an externality is simply just a spillover, a spillover effect. When the decision by one person affects the other person who was not part of it. Now, the externalities can be both negative and positive, as you know. Negative externalities that are those particular uh, uh, decisions uh, that, that, that result in a cost to someone who was not part of it. As I was indicating earlier on, you decide to start smoking cigarette and then at the end of the day, the person who gets ill is not you, is the person who is seated next to you. That is passive smoking. So the person gets ill and then he has to pay money to go to the, to to the doctor. He incurs a cost. So that is a negative externality. And then a positive externality, we can give an example of education. You are at school, my dear learners. You are attending school. Some of you will be doctors, accountants, lawyers, and stuff like that. It is a positive externality because you will be benefiting because you'll be earning a living as an individual. But the community at large will also be benefiting from the services that will be rendering. So that will be a positive externality. So here comes the issue. Why do we say when it comes to the nature, the state of the environment, externalities are a problem? We say externalities are an issue because goods that have negative externalities are oversupplied. That is a problem. The very same goods that are not needed, that cause damage to the environment, they are oversupplied. And the very the goods that are needed to save the environment, that is goods that have positive externality, goods that are needed to save the environment, they are undersupplied. It is a problem. Why, why should our economy produce more of negative externalities and produce less of positive externalities? That is a problem. So what must be done? Uh, as we'll see later on, uh, negative externalities, if ever they are produced, the government can impose a tax to discourage production of such goods. The government can impose a tax to, to, to discourage production of such goods, the negative externalities, goods that cause pollution, 
goods that cause pollution as an example they can we can charge a tax so that they can limit production of those particular goods and then goods that have positive externalities are undersupplied now what can government do to encourage production of that those goods government can provide subsidies to encourage production of such goods so those are the things that we can do with regard to externalities now we are done now with the state of the environment you and I now understand what we do, understand the impact of our decision, our actions. What is it that they do to the environment? Now, we move to the next part. What can be done? Measures to, what measures can we apply that will make sure that we, our environment becomes sustainable? Measures to ensure sustainability. So this particular measure, the question said, remember, let's revisit the question. It said, Government, they, they, government measures to ensure sustainability. Government measures to ensure sustainability. Now, there are two government measures that can be used or applied to ensure sustainability. The first government measure is what you call public sector control. That is the first measure. Under government measures to ensure sustainability, we have got the first measure being public sector public sector intervention and the second one is public sector control so let's start with the first one here public sector intervention now this is the, the following are the things that government will do in order to ensure sustainability the first thing is granting property rights government can grant property rights. the heading is granting property rights. Why does the government say they can grant in property rights will ensure sustainability of the environment? We say so because people take care of things that belong to them. People really, that one is a fact. People take care of the things that belong to them. So if we privatize, if we privatize some of these particular things that are in danger of extinction, that are uh, yeah, especially those that are in danger of extinction. If we can privatize them, people will take care of them. We are aware. People take care. You know, my dear learners, you also, you take care of the things that belong to you. And then unconsciously, things that do not belong to you, you don't really take care of them. I, I, I was joking with someone, say some other day, to say, when you talk about this issue of private property rights, now let us be practical. Uh, you look at someone driving a car, a, a, a government vehicle or a company vehicle during the day and then you come across the very same person driving his own car in the afternoon you will be surprised you will also think that those are two different people why because the way in which he was driving that particular company car or government vehicle and the way he's driving his car in the afternoon it's like they are two different people he's driving his car with care because he knows that Anything that will happen to the car will incur a cost on him. But that one, because it's a company car, government car, uh, he doesn't care about it. So even with regard to the natural resources, our environment, we can say, let us grant private property rights to the people to own those particular things. We know that if a person has been given ownership to, to, uh, 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 to own a, a natural resource, that person will take care of it. And then if he takes care of it, it means even the future generations will have access to it. So that is one way of government inter public sector intervention. The second way of ensuring sustainability under public sector intervention is charging for the use of the environment. Charging for the use of the environment. What does this mean? 
consumers and producers can be charged for the waste they produce and dump in the environment. That's simple and straightforward. We look at the waste that these particular people produce and dump on the environment, and then we work out a cost, uh, and then we charge them a tax. So, for example, as you can see, uh, when you look at the municipal bill, uh, at home, you, have, you, you can look at it. The, that letter from the municipality, the assessment, the the, 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 the municipal bill. You can, uh, when you look at it, you realize that the, 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 there is a column for refuse collection or refuse removal, and there is a column for sewage disposal. So there is a payment there. Why? Because uh, the, the the municipality is disposing your of your rubbish bin and the sewage into a particular area, and that money is used to collect the rubbish and the the disposal. The, the sewage and then more importantly that particular money will also be used to rehabilitate the land over which that particular rubbish or sewage is disposed in the future that that particular money will be used to rehabilitate that particular land because that rubbish that they collect from your home they are going to dispose or throw it somewhere that sewage that is being collected from our households it is going to be disposed somewhere over the land and that particular land at some stage needs to be rehabilitated so there is a charge for that we are paying it on a monthly basis to ensure that uh, we, that particular rubbish and sewage is disposed of safely. Number three, still under public sector intervention, levying of environmental taxes. Levying of environmental taxes. These environmental taxes, uh, in brackets, you can say green taxes. A tax, is, what do we mean by this? A tax is imposed on a good whenever external environmental costs are generated. That is what happened. The government will say, let's look, any item that generate external environmental costs must be taxed. Any item that generates external environmental costs must be taxed. All right? Now, how does this particular tax work? Let me give an example of a plastic bottle, or I can give an example of a motor car tire. A motor car tire. A motor car tire, after it has been removed from the car, where does it go? It is disposed of somewhere. So what the government does, it taxes the manufacturer to say, you the manufacturer of motor vehicle tires. I, the tax on each tire is some, say 10% or 15% or whatever amount. They say we charge for every tire that you produce, we, the, uh, this amount of tax must be payable. Specifically, for what? To take care of the external environmental costs that are generated by that particular tire. That particular tire will be disposed at some stage and then it is going to generate, the, the stage will incur some costs. So, that, that is one way of the, 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 this particular green tax. Number four, we have what you call paying environmental subsidies. Paying environmental subsidies. What do, how does this one work? Government can provide subsidies for activities that reduce environmental damage. Government can provide subsidies for activities that reduce environmental damage. Damage. Now, how does this particular work? The subsidy can could be for development of 
techniques of new techniques or equipment in other ways the government says is that uh, the, 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 this technique if, if developed it can lead to reduction of pollution for example so what government does it is going to subsidize those particular producers or manufacturers who are interested in manufacturing an equipment that will assist in reducing pollution for example so that is the subsidy that can be done for example the other subsidy can also be for production of environmentally friendly substitute environment friendly substitute for example government the south african government has invested a lot of money in terms of subsidies to the petroleum manufacturers for so that they can be able to produce unleaded petrol unleaded petrol is environmental friendly so that is why even motor vehicles in south africa majority all motor vehicles that are produced nowadays they go for unleaded petrol so that is one subsidy that can be the other subsidy can also be to encourage recycling now as you can see, you see government is trying to make sure that we clean the environment this issue of recycling as you can see in our communities government has embarked on a program for uh, tin collections metal collections tin uh, empty cans of cold rings beers and stuff like that the, the government has embarked on a program to say all people people must collect those things and then a certain amount is paid on submission the aim of collecting those particular empty tins in the process people get jobs and they get paid for collecting those tins but the bigger picture is that we are cleaning the environment when you collect those particular things all right so that is one on the issue of preparing environmental subsidies number five still under public sector intervention it can be issuing marketable permits issuing marketable payments how does this one work the government can give a license to each business to pollute up to a certain level government give a license to each business to pollute up to a certain level in other ways the license will stipulate that if you are going to engage in this particular kind of business activity your license states that uh, the emission the pollution that your business is going to cause must not exceed this particular amount. So that, 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 that's what issuing marketable permits will mean. So those are the things that happen under public sector intervention. The second category now we look at public sector control. We look at public sector control. Now, under public sector control, we have got the following. The first one is what you subheading is what you call command and control. Under public sector control, number one, we have command and control. How does this issue of command and control work? Government enforces policies by setting maximum levels of the emission of pollution. So, is it clear? Government enforces policies by setting maximum levels of the emission of pollution. So government, and now it means now we are going to have inspectors. So those particular inspectors will be the ones that are going to make sure that they monitor and enforce the policies that have been set uh, to ensure that pollution levels do not go beyond what has been stipulated in the policy so there are three approach approaches in command and control there are three approaches in command and control the first approach is 
quantity standards quantity standards now how does this one work now this particular command and control and enforcing of the policy will simply focus on amount of pollution emitted so the inspectors will be looking at sometimes they will be looking at on the amount of pollution emitted and then they are going to enforce the police to make sure that no one exceeds the amount or this particular level of pollution the second approach uh, of command control it could be what you call quality standards by quality standards it simply means with the focus will be on the environmental impact of the pollution emitted so the second focus now government says we, if you are polluting we look at the impact of your pollution on the environment all right so we will say okay this pollution that you are causing must not cause damage more than this one so that is quality then the third approach will be social impact standards social impact standards now in this case the policy enforcement of the policy will focus on the effect on people of the pollution emitted the effect on people of the pollution emitted so those are the three approaches that can be used to uh, in, in with regard to command and control now now we are done with command and control under public sector control the next thing still under public sector control is what you call voluntary agreements we talk about voluntary agreements now Government concludes agreements with businesses on a voluntary basis to cut pollution. I think this one is self-explanatory. Government concludes agreements with businesses on a voluntary basis to cut pollution. So that is uh, the other thing that the government can do. And then the other thing is education. Under public sector control, the focus could also be on education. Now, how will they do? The government can use education to change people's attitudes towards the environment. The government can use education to change people's attitudes towards uh, the environment so that people can really take care of the environment. So that is it with regard to this particular uh, measures to ensure sustainability by government. I think we have covered. Now, these are not the only measures that can be used to ensure sustainability. But uh, in response to the question that I gave you at the beginning, our the question said, um, um, discuss environmental sustainability under the following headings, the state of the environment and the government measures to ensure sustainability. So I'm saying now, these are not the only measures that can be used to ensure sustainability. We also have international measures. So we talked about government measures. Now we can focus on uh, uh, international measures that can be used to ensure sustainability. Now, the first, the first international measure that we all know about it is the is on bio how to deal with biodiversity loss biodiversity loss how there is an international measure that has been enacted in order to deal with biodiversity loss so under the biodiversity loss there is what you call the convention on international trade in endangered species there is that, that is what you call cites 
the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species, so in brackets, CITES. The Convention on International Trade in the Endangered Spaces sets many policies to deal with species loss. So that is with regard to biodiversity. The biodiversity means plant loss of plants and animals. So we've got CITES there. The second international measure is with regard to chemical waste. Chemical waste. You and I know very well that chemical waste is highly toxic. Chemical waste is highly toxic and it has a negative effect on living beings and can cause infertility, infertility or death. Chemical waste is very much dangerous. So chemical waste needs to be carefully managed to ensure that it does not seep into the underground water. Very much important. Chemical waste, when chemicals uh, are, reach the, the, are thrown over the surface of the earth or into the sea, what happens? They infiltrate the, the land. And then if we are under, if we are not careful, they are going to mix up with the underground water system, the water that we drink every day. So once that can happen, eh, there's going to be a chaos because it can lead to infertility or death. So there is a international measure measure that is there to deal with uh, uh, chemical waste. There is what you call the Stock, Stockholm Protocol. We have the Stockholm Protocol uh, this is an international United Nations agreement to limit chemi uh, chemical waste. The Stockholm Protocol is a United Nations agreement to deal with chemical waste. Now, again, we have got the issue of uh, hazardous waste. Hazardous waste is also very much uh, toxic. It is also highly toxic because... Uh, uh, it takes law to decompose. So now here we have got what you call the Basel Convention. We have got what you call the Basel Convention. Uh, it is also an international agreement to manage nuclear waste uh, because hazardous waste is usually radioactive waste from nuclear power. Uh, hazardous waste is uh, radioactive waste from nuclear power. So there is an international measure that is aimed at dealing with this hazardous waste and the name of that particular uh, agreement or international agreement is what you call the Basel Convention. Now, the other issue is on the issue of climate change. There we have got climate change. Now, with regard to climate, before I get into climate change, because time is running out, I just want to talk. We'll come back to the international measures, but there is something that I feel we need to talk about before you, before the session ends. Now, it is with this, bear with me, we'll come back to the international measures before we close. Now, I want to talk to you, my dear learners, about the, you are writing on Wednesday, paper one, and then next week you are writing paper two. There is this very important thing that I want to share, information that I want to share with you. Your teachers gave you the examination guideline at the beginning of the year. The examination guideline outlines all the possible questions that the examiner will ask you, will, will test you on. In, the, in that particular exam guideline. It is there, my dear learners. It is very much helpful. That particular exam guideline, it has been in existence since 2017. 
It has been there since 2017, and then this is the last year of that particular exam guideline. So I want you to be smart when you approach this particular education, uh, examination. I cannot outline why, uh, what do I mean when I say you need to be smart, but I want you to be smart. What I'm, I'm appealing you to go and do, go and look at all the question papers that have been uh, uh, set in uh, June 2017, November 2017, March 2018, June 2018, November 2018, June 2019, and November 2019. All these particular papers, please get hold of them. I've just mentioned them. Then once you get hold of those particular question papers, you put them side by side with the exam guideline and be smart. I don't want to go any further. Uh, just be smart. When you have those particular papers, just be smart there, and then you will realize or uh, ultimately you are going to be helped by those particular things. I was on climate change now. Let's go back to international measures. We are on climate change. What is climate change? Climate change, I've touched on it earlier on this. What happens when the temperature of the earth increases, the earth becomes warm, and we call it global warming. So, once the earth becomes warm and it is global warming, what are the consequences? That's why you see these many floods that we have throughout the world, these earthquakes, these tsunamis that we have, or most of them, the changing weather patterns, summer is not the way it used to be, winter is not the way it used to be, they come at different times, they have changed. This is due to climate change. And then what must happen? We need to act before it is too late. And there is an agreement that deals with climate change and then they call it the Kyoto Protocol. This is an international agreement to limit the product, the production of greenhouse gases. So this particular international measure, it is there because uh, they want to limit uh, climate change. And then we also have the other thing where we talk about loss of indigenous knowledge. Now, what happens? Our 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 grandparents and great-grandparents had a way of surviving. They were using organic methods of production to produce goods and services. And those particular organic methods were very much uh, user-friendly. They were friendly to the environment. They were not damaging the environment. So here we are saying that we should prevent loss of biodiversity, the loss of indigenous knowledge. We must resort to those particular methods that have been used so that we can be able to save our environment. Uh, I can see they are signaling for me that the time is up. Thank you very much, my dear learners. Uh, wishing you well in the examination that you are writing one Wednesday. This grade 12 lesson was proudly brought to you by the Department of Education in partnership with Capricorn FM. Working together, we can do more, providing quality education. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.